Well, tonight we're in Ruth 2, and we're going to see God at work using Ruth and Boaz as part of his plans. We're going to look at the characters of these two people and how God uses them. So, where are we at in the story? So, we heard last week, so Naomi left uh, God's people with her husband because there was a famine, and they went to Moab with her husband and two sons. All went wrong. Her husband, Elimelech, died. Her two sons died. And the sons at this point had married. And it all just seemed to go wrong. So Naomi was like, you know what? I heard this food back home. I'm going to come back to, to God's people. She had Orpah and Ruth, who were the, her daughter-in-law. She said, look, there's nothing for you. Go back to Moab. Stay with your parents. You'll be fine. Orpah went away, but Ruth said, no, I'm going to stay with you. And as we heard uh, last, uh, last week, she said, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. So Naomi goes, you know what? Yeah, I'll give up trying to persuade you. Let's go back together. So Ruth and Naomi returned home. But Naomi is bitter, broken, and empty, and she asks those that see her to call her Mara, which means bitter. And this sets us up for Ruth too, as they arrive at, the, at the, the harvest time. And right at the start of chapter 2, we're introduced to a man called Boaz. It's an unusual way to start a passage, being told about some random person who we've not met before. So, briefly, who is Boaz, and why is he important to this story? So, four points just to note from the first few verses. Boaz is a relative. We read in verse 1 that he's related to Naomi, the clan of Elimelech, so the same family as Naomi's husband. We read that he's a redeemer. Now, being a relative is important because, as Naomi noted in verse 20, because Boaz is a redeemer, what that means is he counts as someone who can buy back the land that they've sold previously, and also he can uh, fulfill the role of continuing the family name in marriage. In the law, and you can read this in Leviticus 25, God made a way that if someone sold their land, likely through poverty, that they could buy it back, but if they couldn't or were dead then redeeming that property could be done through a relative, whether it's a, a brother, a cousin, an uncle, or someone from their, their, their clan. So that's the first two things we read about him. Thirdly, we see he's worthy. That means worth or, or an excellent person. And we see that he's got land. He's clearly a rich person. And fourthly, I say he's a godly man. We see in verse 4 how he addresses his workers. The Lord be with you. So he's someone who legally qualifies to redeem Naomi's family property and prolong their family name through marriage. He has the means to protect and provide, and he's a godly man. So this is why it's good to know who Boaz is in the story as we go into it. But that seems quite irrelevant because Naomi just doesn't seem to hold up any hope for anything. She, let alone consider, does a redeemer exist? 
He's feeling bitter and empty. But what about Ruth? Ruth, this Moabite that came with her, her daughter-in-law. She doesn't seem willing to just sit around moping and saying all is lost, no hope for us. She says, I want to glean. What is gleaning? What is gleaning? Well, this was God's way of providing for the poor. So in Leviticus 19, where the laws were written out, this is what we read, that the instructions were given out to the children of Israel. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the field right up to the edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip the vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So what it's basically saying is, when the landowners would harvest all the food in their fields, make sure you leave some so that those who are poor and can't afford food can go and collect it for themselves and work and create themselves some bread to eat. So let's look a bit more at Ruth a bit more in depth. Because as we explore the character of Ruth, there's three things that I've pulled out that we're going to see. One, she's humble. Two, she's hardworking. But thirdly, she's trusting in God's provision. So firstly, how do we see her humility? Well, in verse 2, we see her asking Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favour. She wants to go out to find food, but asks Naomi first. That kind of submissive to her mother-in-law. Secondly, she's, she's not embarrassed to be seen as poor. I think sometimes we can feel there's a stigma with not having stuff. But right here she's saying, you know what? No, no, we're poor. That's the fact. I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. And thirdly, when she gets to the field, she asks for permission to, to glean in the field. Even though the law says you could glean, she wants to ask for permission first. She's a humble person. Secondly, she's hardworking. She could have stayed at home. Like... She didn't seem to have any pressure from Naomi going out to, to work. Uh, in, in verse 7, the reapers, the guys who worked in the field, their own report to Boaz was they noted how hard she worked, even to the point where they just noted the tiny detail that she had a short rest. And then in verse 17, we read that she worked all day. Then she kind of processed all the grain and beat it out. That must have been a long, long day. She's a hard-working person. But thirdly, I said that I think we see Ruth as someone who is trusting God's provision. Now, remember, as a Moabite, Ruth probably wouldn't have seen God's blessings before. And actually, you could say she could be angry at the God of Israel for taking away her livelihood and her husband. It doesn't make sense that she can believe that God, she believe in God's provision when the only model of anything to do with God is bitter, broken Naomi. Yet, in going to glean, Ruth is showing that she's trusting the provision of God in the law. She's doing what God told the poor to do, trusting the law that God had provided. Now, remember she's a Moabite, not a child of, of Israel, so it could be quite possible that she'd be rejected from even trying to glean, but she's going out there anyway saying, you know what? God made a provision, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to still try and do what he provides. Because if it was security and comfort she wanted, logically, what, what would Ruth do if she wanted security and comfort? 
She could have gone back to Moab, but is here at the mercy of God and is actively showing she wants to trust God in poverty rather going back to Moab. Remember in, in verse 16 of chapter 1, she goes, your people be my people, your God, my God. As a Moabite, these were the enemy of Israel. A poor woman with nothing, not even born into God's chosen people. She's trusting the God of Israel in all she does. Even though it seems like she can't expect anything in return. And we mentioned about in the law of Leviticus, God had the way set up that the poor could be cared for. But it was hard work. The poor would go out in the fields in the late summer during the harvests pick up what's left behind. So they still had to work if they wanted to be fed. And the same was true when, if you think back to uh, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and God sent manna. Uh, God could have just sent the manna just to appear in their tents, but instead it appeared on the ground so they had to go out and work and pick it up. Ruth didn't sit around having a pity party for herself. She didn't turn back and go to her parents' house. She knew enough about the law of God to know that God had made a way for people to be taken care of. She got up, asked Naomi for permission, and went out to glean for food. And that's amazing, just because she, she's a new believer. And I think it challenges us in two ways. We're like, what is our, our work ethic, first of all? Um, are we actually using our, our hands and working hard to God's glory. But the fact that she made the call to trust in God's provision and seek favor, she's the one that said, I'm gonna go out and find favor where I might find it. Even though she probably hadn't seen much of God's blessing or any of God's blessing in the past. I don't know about you, but right now, if I was Ruth, I'd, I'd probably be wanting to go back to Moab. I don't want a hard life. I think we all want a, an easy life probably, don't we? Gleaning's beneath me. It's, it's a job. I don't really want that kind of job. It's beneath me. I'm not going to do that. And you know what? I might get people laughing at me, abusing me. I, I'm a foreigner. I, I don't belong here normally. We all want that comfy life. Sometimes not wanting to work hard or jobs we don't like, or as soon as things get tough, look for an excuse. What blessings, what blessings Ruth would have missed out if she had done any of that? and just didn't trust that any of this was possible. So she went to glean. And in verse 3, we read that Ruth just so happens to find Boaz's field and starts gleaning. We'll come back to that seeming fortunate moment later. Verse 4, Boaz just fortunately seems to have travelled to the field on that day, and he notices her. And he gets a report from one of his workers and he's told how she came back with Naomi. She asked to glean and has been working hard apart from this small break. Notice how all those traits about Ruth are being observed by the servant and now Boaz. So how does Boaz react? He could have kicked her out. You're not one of God's people. He could have made it really hard and just tried to kind of nudge her away from the field and made it difficult. She could have been assaulted. Clearly, the fact that twice in the passage we read about stay close to the women 
it's clearly, and, and it even mentions, be careful not to, that you're more assaulted. It's clearly a risk that could have happened. And all this, it was very likely to have happened potentially in a different field. So what does Boaz do in verse eight and nine? Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and eat and drink what the young men have drawn. So in this section, we're going to now look at Boaz's godly kindness. Because Ruth had two immediate needs, provision in food and protection while working. How does Boaz protect? Well, in verse 89, he says, don't go elsewhere, stay in this field. Keep close to the women, as he, he would have known it would have been a lot safer. And I've told my workers, don't touch her. So he protects. How does Boaz provide? Well, verse 9, drink whenever you want from the vessels that my men have drawn. We see him going even further a bit later in the passage. Verse 15, join me and my workers. Eat, drink until you're full. Verse 15, he, he says, you know what? Don't just glean right at the edges of the field, the bits that left over. Actually, no. Glean among the areas that haven't even been cut yet. Verse 16, he goes even further. He tells his workers to intentionally just, just leave some bits of, of grain around lying for her to pick up. That's an interesting point in itself, because notice he doesn't just give her grain. He could have just gone up to her and go, right, here you go. Here's, here's a load of grain. Take it home. He didn't do that. I think he's here just rewarding her industrial nature and her working hard. I think that's just a very tiny detail that I think is, is interesting to notice. Boaz treats Ruth with amazing kindness and protecting and providing. But I think it's a pattern of how he was generally not just with Ruth, because he seems to have a good relationship with uh, the workers when he greets them. We'll see in the passage that he provides for his workers, and there's seemingly so much food that Ruth has even has extra to take home. And the fact that other women are gleaning suggests it's a safe place. What would it look like for us to show such kindness today? In our home, in our community, in our church. I know as a church we've been thinking about or we want to think more about how can we be known for good in the community? How can we use godly kindness for people around us? And I think it starts in our own hearts, in our own families and the people around us and then it shows how we treat other people and then as a collective of the church if we're doing that together how would that look in this community. To Ruth, this treatment is utterly baffling. In verse 10, then she fell on her face, bound to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I'm a foreigner? Ruth is stunned by the kindness she's received. And when she mentions that, when she says, why are you doing this, this was before Boaz did the extra things such as leaving extra grain around and giving her food to eat. So it, 
it, it doesn't make sense. She, but notice what she didn't say. She didn't go, I'm your relative, so by law, you have to let me glean. Or, hey, you can't tell me where to glean or where not to. I'll do what I want. She doesn't go, I'm poor and you owe me. You're a wealthy relative. Give me what you should be giving me. She doesn't do any of that. Instead, who am I to receive favour? I'm a foreigner. So, why is Boaz showing such kindness in protecting and providing? Well, verse 11 and 12, we see three things I've put down. Why is he doing this kindness? Well, one, what you've done for others. Verse 11 says that all you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. Secondly, what you've left behind to do it. Boaz recognized that she sacrificed everything she knew, including home, family, to come to a foreign land and a foreign people. Thirdly, I think he says it because she was trusting God. Now, note in verse 12, the Lord repay you for what you've done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. I think we can see he believes that God's blessing should be on Ruth, not just for what she's done, but who she's trusting for protection. I think it's a wonderful picture, the idea of seeking refuge under the wings of God. That's a lovely picture. Ruth thinks she's finding favor with Boaz, but Boaz is pointing out the favor she is receiving is from the one whose arm she is looking to for protection, God's. Boaz could see that the ultimate provider is God, that the only one that could fully reward and restore her was God, that God had given him provisions to bless Ruth and be a way that he could be a little bit of a reward to her in a small way. So two questions I've got as we look at Boaz. One, do we recognize that what we have comes from God? We're not the hero. Do we use our resources wisely to give God the credit when people seek to praise us? A second question is, are you putting yourself in a way to be a blessing for other people. Boaz is being used by God as a means to bless Ruth. And we'll see this more in future chapters also. He was able to do this through his godly character. And we should be want to live lives that please God so he can use us to bless other people. But as we look at Boaz and his kindness to Ruth, I don't think we can fail to see similarities with Christ and how he treats his people, how he treats us. Ruth had no reason to expect favour and saw herself completely unworthy and we have got nothing to offer God. She was born out of the children of Israel and we are, were alien to God. Ruth was literally from the enemy of Israel, Moab, and as sinners before being saved, we were at war with God. Yet, just like Boaz showed kindness for the unwanted, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. 
just like Boaz lavished kindness on Ruth, God gives us an eternal inheritance and all the, the wonderful things that come with that. And we'll see in the future chapters that how he welcomed Ruth into his family and God adopts us into his family to receive the full benefits of his riches. So that's just some things I think we can see looking to Jesus. So we've seen who Boaz is. We've looked at Ruth, seeing that she was a humble, hardworking, and trusting of God's provision. We've looked at Boaz, at his godly kindness and why he did it. But there's one big area I've not addressed, and that is how God used both Ruth and Boaz in his plans. And really, it's kind of one main point I want us to see here. When we are trusting God, he will establish our paths according to his providence, not our will. When we're trusting God, he will establish our plans according to his providence, not our will. So let's just take stock of some of the amazing it-just-so-happened moments in the passage. Ruth just happened upon the field where there was a relative who was in a position to redeem the land, potentially marry Ruth, not that Boaz knew that currently. He happened to be visiting at the same time that she was working and inquired about her. He happened to be a godly man who wanted to care, provide and protect. What a luck. What are the chances that all that would happen? Do you, do you ever go through the day and um, say these words or think similar words like, uh, that was lucky or thank goodness or what are the odds or that's fortunate or I'm so relieved that happened. Was this luck? Chance? No, this was God at work. Yes, Ruth went out trusting God's provision. Yes, Boaz was a godly man who showed kindness. But God brought them together and used them as part of plans not even they were fully aware of. A couple of uh, verses from other parts of the Bible, I think, really help us understand this. In, in Proverbs 69, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. In Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. For all the plans that we make, we should look to God and trust him to lead us to where he needs us to be. You could say, but if Naomi hadn't gone to Moab, Ruth would never have come back. So actually it worked out all right in the end. Well, God can use the worst situations still to his glory, even if you're not in the place where you should be. And the cost to Naomi was huge, but God still hadn't forgotten her. When we trust God, God establishes the paths we are to take. And while Boaz and Ruth would have planned their day, God establishes that their paths were going to cross. And looking back, they would have seen how God used them for his glory. This was faith in action by Ruth, meeting the providence of God through the kindness of Boaz. Now, that doesn't mean we're always going to understand what God is doing. We can't see the, 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 the destination. We can only see the steps in front of us or where God opens doors for us or closes them. But when we're trusting God, he will establish our paths according to his providence, not our will. Now, 
Remember Neil this morning? He said that he made plans and how they're going to do evangelistic events to bring people in the church. And God said, you know what? No, that's not going to be uh, what happens. Your heart's doing the right thing, but I'm not going to make it happen how you want it. I'm going to do it a different way. See, God had plans, even though they had planned themselves. God said, you know what? This is what I want to do. Now, one really, really important point I need to make here. This doesn't mean that everything's going to go well, according to our expectations. But if we trust God and live by faith, we will be where God wants us to be. And we can rejoice, even if that meant a path of suffering, disappointment from a humanly point of view. Even in those situations, we can trust he will guide our paths. As I was preparing this, I kept on thinking, what about the other women gleaning? They may be trusting God, but they're still poor, probably didn't have a rich redeemer. But that doesn't mean they're not exactly where God wanted them to be. Because sometimes being in step with God means being poor, suffering hardships. Remember Stephen when he was about to be stoned? He looked up and saw the glory of God. He was in the place that God meant him to be. Do you remember Daniel's friends who stood up to Nebuchadnezzar and they were going to be thrown into the fire because of they wouldn't bow down to him? What did they say? God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we are still going to not bow down to you. We, we trust our God and we're in the right place that he wants us to be, whatever happens to us. That's paraphrased, but what they said. And you know what? Uh, some of you will have disappointments. You might not hit the grade you want be in the job you want, the location. You might not have the families that you thought you would. But that doesn't mean that you're not in the place where God wants you to be. And that's why it's so important for us not to look at our own plans and say, I wanted this. I say, you know what? I'm going to trust God and I'm going to make my plans with him at the forefront. But I know that if things change and aren't going to work out how I want them to be, that's what God wanted. And that's the best place to be. And we need to be those people that live Christ-focused lives, that step out in faith, ready to be a blessing for other people. And if that's in our hearts, we can be confident that God is establishing our steps. All for his glory, whether it's hard or not, we can know that it's the best place to be. So as we uh, draw to a close, let's just come back to the story. What about Naomi? Remember Naomi? The day before, she was suffering lots, not through trusting God, but from going her own way. Well, when Ruth comes home in verse 18, brings out all the grain and the leftover food from lunch, she can see that Ruth has found favour. And when she hears it's from Boaz, her relative, suddenly for the first time in years, she's got hope, hope for the future. Boaz can redeem them. And possibly for the first time in years, she looks for God to bless. Verse 20, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Now, commentaries are unsure if the kindness related to God, Boaz, or both. But we can see that God has shown them kindness, and so has Boaz. Naomi, who probably felt like God had nothing more for her, having run away from God, Yet through his mercy has not only fed her, but given a hope to trust him again with her future. 
young believer Ruth has shown her through her own faith. And we need to remember that God does miracles, but he uses people, whether broken, low self-worth, or rich people with lots of, of, of money or provisions, he uses us all to be part of his plans. So let us just remember to be people who trust our paths to God, but while living lives that honour him and can be a blessing to others. Shall we uh, pray as we finish? Lord, you've put us in many different uh, circumstances of life, Lord. You've put us in places that we maybe didn't think we'd be, with uh, just different challenges that we maybe didn't want. But Lord, you put us exactly where you want us to be. Help us to be people that step out in faith, people that want to be godly people, that show kindness that you've given us, Lord, that we show that to other people. And help us just to know that whether we go through suffering or it feels like it's a good time, Lord, at the moment, help us to make sure that it's all uh, looking to you so that we can know that whatever happens, it's according to your will, Lord. Amen.